Well, welcome, one and all, to a special one-off episode of the Monkey See, Monkey Review podcast, guiding you through this foray into film, which is not as easy to say as it sounds, is... Oh. Um, oh, just me then. Uh, hello, I'm Scott, and uh, today I'm not joined by my transatlantic compadre, Mr Christopher Commander, and sadly we've been torn asunder by world events, so I'm bravely foolishly striking out on my own so no silken stateside twang to offset me and my vocal tics uh, but it's these world events that bring us to your ears today um so at the time of recording we are in a state of lockdown and our collective worlds have just rapidly shrunk before our eyes and with that a lot of the things we take for granted as just you know kind of being there are gone they're on hold and we're in this kind of weird state of stasis how it does seem moot to say um but you know there are bigger more important things in the world at the moment like trying to keep as many of us alive as possible and uh, you know i hope you are all keeping safe but this is a movie podcast and one of my greatest loves is escaping to the cinema and that rightly it's not an option at the minute um, but I got inspired um, just after the announcement to close cinemas filtered around um, a week last Wednesday so I'm recording this on a Saturday um, the, yeah the news that cinemas were closing began to filter around and uh, uh, the director Edgar Wright uh, he penned a bit of a love letter to the big screen experience uh, which was published on the Empire website and I read it and it kind of made me want to share my feelings as well. Uh, so that's what I'm hoping to do today uh, for your entertainment and delectation and delight. So those of you that will know me well will know that on any given week the phrase right after the cinema to see something is uh, <laughs> a regular occurrence and the regular response I get back is what again? So, if you're with me for the ride, uh, I want to share with you kind of the love of the shared experience of cinema, uh, why I love it so much, and why, you know, when we come out of this the other side, uh, you know, the feeling of retaining that's kind of really important to me. So, at the risk of dating myself, you can pretty much pinpoint when this love was fueled. Uh, I'm going to take you back to the year 1983. Um, yeah, I've been to the cinema prior to this uh, to be emotionally scarred by E.T. But then my mum, bless her, uh, booked me tickets to go to the Odeon in Coventry uh, to see all three Star Wars films back to back. So I was already a fan. Um, I'd not actually had the opportunity to see Empire Strikes Back at this point. Uh, so this was incredibly exciting. Uh, I was also four so my mum must have been insane to take me you know a four-year-old for six hours worth of movie but apparently I sat there absolutely enraptured throughout well I say throughout right up until the end of Return of the Jedi and mild spoiler alert <laughs> but right up to the point where the Emperor starts doing the force lightning from his hands to Luke Skywalker and to a four-year-old watching the creepy old dude attempting to electrocute my hero to death. 
that was frightening. So I so I hid. Um, however, not as frightening uh, as when the film was around the same time. Uh, so the creepy computer robot lady from uh, Superman Three. I that. If you know, you know that was damaging, and I'm sure there are probably a few people of my age group that probably still uh, still get cold sweats about that to this day. Um, it does strike me between uh, the emotional trauma of watching ET and uh, being scared by the Emperor and the creepy, freaky robot lady that um, all of my most memorable early movie experiences involved me being emotionally scarred in some way. So um, read into that what you will. But, you know, kept me coming back for more. And this is the thing. I just I love film. Uh, yeah, this is the reason I started the Monkey See Monkey Review page on Facebook, because I loved talking about film and I wanted to write about film in the way that I love talking about it. Uh, this is why me and Chris do this podcast. Again, we just love talking about film. Uh, so, you know, if I'm given the choice, I'll always try and opt for the best possible viewing experience. If I'm using my time to watch something, or kind of be in the, the highest quality format available on the biggest screen available, and I'll always defer to cinema as being, you know, the, the best possible experience for a great many reasons. I mean, just taking it down to the, the simplest thing, when the lights go down, it's just so much easier to allow yourself to be drawn into that experience. You know, your phone goes away, you're not distracted by that little screen, or you shouldn't be. And if you are using your phone in the cinema, just, you know, stop. That's not what you're there to do. And just allow yourself to be taken away, enjoy the story, and be transported. And this is a filmmaker's medium. It's the craft that's gone into everything in the film, from... You know, the cinematography to the, the costume designs and visual effects to the sound design you know, it, it's as they intended you know, larger than life and it's this escape from the outside world it's this escape from reality once you're in that cinema screen and it's dark and you just allow yourself to get in, involved with it and you know on the big screen in that environment it's so much easier to just get in, absorbed and the impact regardless of the size of the film you know, the impact that just lands that much harder, you know, unless you've got kind of the most incredible home system and uh, you don't mind annoying your neighbours, it's it's damn near impossible to recreate this experience at home. Um, take for example, there's you know one of the the films I loved from last year, James Mangold's Le Mans '66 or Ford versus Ferrari. If you're overseas, it's it's just such a brilliant example. Uh, I've seen this a few times now, so a couple of times at the cinema and once at home. And, you know, the, the film's a great experience either way. Biggest thing that home viewing experience doesn't offer you that the cinema experience does is the the impact of it. On the big screen, this film just it comes alive. The race sequences are just absorbing. Uh, the, the, the camera work, the, the camera's kind of close to the road picking up the speed of the cars it's so involving and it's it's, it's such a brilliant kinetic experience and then the sound design is just you know deservedly was nominated throughout the technical awards at the Oscars this year and rightly so and the sound design is just incredible the roar of these engines and it just hits you 
square in the chest. It's it's just such a, a wonderful experience. And unless you crank your volume and sit about two inches from the screen, it's really hard to kind of recreate that. And the other thing, the, one of the other things I love, love about the cinema experience, and it's a bit of a divisive one, yeah, it's the shared experience. I'm going to hold my hand up here now and say, you know, this is a benefit that really does kind of sit on a knife edge because of other humans and, you know, I confess... I've got very little patience for them at times. Uh, a friend of mine that I used to go to the cinema with a fair bit, um, Emma, if she's listening, hello, uh, anointed me with the affectionate nickname, the Grumpy Cinema Troll. Because, uh, yeah, my demeanour when I'm sat close to rude, talkative, ignorant fellow cinema goers, uh, you know, I, I, I properly turned into a little a little gremlin. But on, on the flip side of that, with a crowded cinema and a responsive audience that are engaged, it really lifts the experience no end. Yeah, I could I could give you a multitude of different examples, but my favourite is uh, I went to see the film The Raid uh, quite early in its cinema run uh, in the middle of a, you know, a central London cinema with a quite a, a packed screen, and it was one of the most fun cinema experiences. I mean, it's... it's amazing Indonesian action film that is in place absolutely brutal uh, you know <laughs> really really in- inventive invi- <laughs> inventive violence but you know aside from the film itself which you know it's a joy in its own way the other delight was sharing the screen with a group of people all <laughs> reacting along with this action with you know, sort of oohs and ahs and uh, pained almost sympathetic laughter or uh almost slightly uncomfortable laughter at points just because it was yeah it's the really really inventive and really quite harsh in places uh so yeah it, it's it's those types of experience that when you're with people that are like-minded uh that it just lifts it another great example is uh you know going to see certain comedy films uh i remember the first time i went to see the borat movie and again it was early on its running at the packed cinema and that wave of laughter that when you're with other people and they're laughing that laughter and that response it carries you along it, it carries you on like a bit of a crest of the wave and i remember you know it's one of a few times i've been in a cinema that is laughing that much to the point that it actually started becoming painful uh and with a couple of people in a room, you know, you, you will laugh, but you don't get that same kind of outpouring of, you know, you know, communal laughter, that communal good feeling. And that's where, you know, that shared experience of being in the cinema really, really lifts it. There are other aspects of, kind of the shared experience of cinema that, that, again, you don't get at home is, you know, going to see special screenings. Or, or really cool cinemas. Yeah, I'm going to use uh, a local one to me, the, the Electric Cinema in Birmingham. Really comfy settees and table service in the oldest working cinema. And it's just, you know, this is a perfect surrounding. It's a special occasion. And this, this is you know, one of those things that cinema, when it is a special occasion, it just lifts. It's so, it, it, it's so memorable and it's so fun. Now, I am aware that I am in a position of privilege uh, that you know a lot of people don't have the same amount of free time to invest in experiencing the cinema as much as possible 
which I do. I have a, you know, I have an annual pass. Uh, I class myself in a great many ways as being really lucky. Um, so I am aware, although I'm slightly spoiled, that you know, as a pastime, it's getting progressively and um, more prohibitively expensive. So you know, people have to go and pick and choose their times to go and see the films they want to see. And like so many things, the landscape of cinema will change as things start to get back to normal. But one thing to bear in mind is that you know, cinema, there will be an impact on it. The financial impact will be felt you know, right from top to bottom. Uh, you know, a giant like Cineworld was reporting just before the closures that uh, it could result in the whole business you know, going bust. And then that knock-on risk to smaller independent cinemas being at risk, and those smaller cinemas, yeah, they're invaluable uh, because it's those smaller cinemas that put the smaller films that the multiplexes don't quite have the same sort of interest and engagement with. That when they show those, it gives those smaller pictures on the fringes of the mainstream just that extra oxygen that they need to to get an audience. and there's some of the best films I've seen in the last few years that I've I've gone out of my way to take uh, you know, take a risk to see, uh, but they get the risk getting pushed more and more to the margins as you know, more cinemas close and the choice becomes more restricted. Now, there's the other risk that you know, while we're in this situation that will will become apparent is you know, streaming is already a point and it is already making it easier for. Uh, those that want to watch films to to access what they want to watch and it's also making it easier for uh, directors to take chances as well and move away from the traditional kind of cinema into self-release on DVD and then onto TV Um, both Netflix and Amazon they both have their hands in the movie market now and you know while Amazon does support more a traditional uh, cinema first release structure which I'm really thankful for you know, absolute gems over the last few years like uh, You Were Never Really Here and The Big Sick uh, you know, great great films that if you've not had an opportunity to see uh, please check them out they're, they're, they're absolute crackers um, so they, they do support that more traditional release structure but Netflix they sometimes only offer this really small window for cinemas to show their productions because they're they're in the streaming market. That's what they're there for. Uh, so before they make their bow on the service, some of these films are giving really really tiny sort of week two week release windows. And this is not a release pattern that certainly the major cinema chains support. You know, for long winded reasons of commerce, that I'm not going to dive into. But consequently you'd be hard pushed to find some of these films in your local sort of larger cinema. You know, believe me, last year um, the the challenge I had trying to find a decent local screening of either Scorsese's The Irishman or the Safdie Brothers' Uncut Gems, you know, both really highly critically regarded films. But the opportunity to go and see them on the big screen in the best possible setting it was you know it was a really great challenge i could I, it took me ages but you know seek them out i did and i'm really happy that i did and without these smaller independent chains showing these smaller independent movies um such as uh, you know another cinema shout out i'm a big fan of the phoenix cinema in leicester 
uh, lovely cinema and art space. I really recommend if you are local to the Midlands, checking it out. It's, it's such a nice, nice place. Um, but yeah, without these cinemas, I'd be stuck watching them at home on a small screen with all of the associated distractions that you get with that and without that impact of, of being able to see it in that perfect environment that you know that, that draws me back time and time again now since the pandemic's closed cinemas down some studios as you may be aware they've opted to push recent cinema releases straight into the streaming services a premium price now this is a move obviously designed to maximize the revenue of the films that will have taken a serious hit in this situation and allow cinema goers to still have access to be able to see them which you know is fine because these are obviously highly sort of financially resource heavy things then to, to make a financial loss on them is you know could be devastating for the people working on these films um, so it's it's an interesting test case um, particularly you know, how it may lead to more studios adopting this method, uh, you know, particularly as uh, you know, Trolls World Tour, which is you know, kind of the first real sort of AAA release onto this sort of service. It's probably the, inarguably the biggest release to be released in this method, uh, biggest movie to be released in this method. Uh, so how that fares will be really interesting and in how successful it will be. Uh, in the UK, the, these films have, have all got a fifteen ninety nine price point, which, you know, first view seems actually quite reasonable uh, as it comes at the cost of two adult cinema tickets. But consider what you're getting for that price is it's essentially you know, a, a forty eight hour rental for that film. Once you start watching it, watching it on a standard TV. Now, if you're in that situation you'd kind of really want to see that film uh, to to pay out that much or uh, to you know or whether you drop about five pound on a recent streaming release or just you know if you're watching on a streaming service pick one of the films that you've already paid for, for through your subscription you know 15.99 could you order a dvd in from or a blu-ray in from online yeah it's a lot of money to throw down on what is essentially a rental when you're not getting the premium experience of seeing the film with that larger-than-life projection and the killer sound and all the associated stuff that, that comes with that. Yeah. Uh, and often, uh, the person on the set seat next to you probably behaves just as bad, as, if not worse, than your average cinema-goer. So, you know, uh, you, you pay your money, you say your choice. Ultimately, though, you know, we don't know what the world is going to look like when we come out the other end. Um, but you know, in spite of the challenges that cinema faces now and has faced for a while, I really, really hope it endures. You know, when we're we're released from captivity, I'm desperate to to fire up my pass and get back out there and and just experience as much as I can. Uh, I'm looking forward to going back and supporting some of these smaller chains and independent cinemas so you know, if you're you're listening today and you've enjoyed this and you want to share your cinema experiences and you know those smaller screens that you really love uh, you know let me know uh, yeah i love this experience dearly and uh, hence the reason i wanted to kind of bang on about it for 20 minutes uh, 
but it's 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 my escape it's my it's my passion it's my love um and i'm i'm experiencing the thing that i love in the best possible way uh, so you know if if you've enjoyed hearing me bang on about it i'd love to hear you about you know this and your feelings i could have talked on for another hour or so but i don't want to be kind of too self-indulgent uh just say my piece and move on but if you do want to sound out uh about you know the the two original podcasts we've done uh and this one that we've created so far please leave a review on your podcast repository of choice wherever you've managed to access this from uh, if you're on facebook uh, and you're not already part of the group please search monkey see monkey review and join in if you're already part of the group uh, you know chime in make comments we'd love to love to hear your feedback um, and yeah it's been it, it's been an, a bizarre pleasure kind of talking to you without Chris's interaction uh, but I hope you've enjoyed it but before we finish we're going to wrap this up in the usual way uh, with the latest tracks to be added to our tracks of the trade playlist on Spotify uh, so to do this uh, this week we threw this open to members of the Monkey See Monkey Review Facebook group who offered their selections so I'm going to give uh, the four selections that we've made and the people that made them a little name check firstly uh, to Sam Drew who suggested from the good the bad and the ugly uh the ecstasy ecstasy of gold by ennio morricone what a tune and i'd, I'd heard this one before i didn't realize that this was the the track uh this is what the track was called uh yeah it's an absolutely phenomenal phenomenal tune you'll know it when you hear it uh it's been well used but in its own context it's with the, the kind of the operatic vocal over the top and the, the gradually building um, sort of crescendo it's it's fabulous what a tune uh, the other ones are from uh, from Nate uh, who I work with at uh, Coombe Abbey and he's a mutual friend of me and Chris who suggested the end credits uh, from Castaway by Alan Silvestri now this is not a tune I knew I've I confess I've I've not managed to see Castaway yet but I gave it a listen afterwards and uh, yeah it's uh, it's an absolutely uh, absolutely beautiful piece of music so that will go on the list uh, from uh, Mr Paul Bennett uh, better known as Double D to, to his friends uh, I'm going to pick one of his uh, one of his four choices for this week I'm going with God Moving Over the Face of water, the Waters by uh, Moby from the end of the film Heat uh, again another Stone Cold classic and what a film if you've not had an opportunity to see it and the last one is from uh, an old colleague of mine Mr Christopher Lee not that one uh, who suggested uh, the tune This Land uh, by Hans Zimmer from the original animated hand-drawn animated not computer animated Lion King again this is when I went back to listen to uh, having not known exactly what the, the, the track was uh, once you listen to it, if you're a fan of The Lion King, it will it will just transport you. It's uh, I'm I'm sort of a moderate animated Lion King fan, original Lion King fan, but even listening to it, it gave me it gave me chills. So there, are your four tracks. Uh, we'll add those to the playlist and uh, look forward to uh, to hearing some more suggestions from you all. Uh, once again. Thank you so much if you've taken the time to download any of the podcasts and listen to them. Please share and 
let more people know uh, because we love doing this uh, any oxygen you can give it would be fantastic and uh, look forward to speaking to you soon when that will be and when me and Chris will be back together I don't know but hopefully in the near future we'll be back with another Monkey See Monkey Review podcast look after yourselves, stay safe and keep enjoying the movies <laughs>